Check. Okay, I'll use this one. All right. Not today, Satan, right? With this mic? No, nope, he's not getting in the way tonight. Not going to happen. I'll shout if I have to. These are my children, and uh, the middle one is Peyton. She's my uh, oldest. She's six years old, and then she has two little uh, snot-nosed brothers, uh, Titus uh, on the left there, and then uh, our little chubby guy, Marty, on the right, and uh, they're awesome. I'm super tired all the time because they are crazy, and uh, they, they just keep us up all the time, just running around. Um, that's why I was just drinking coffee back there. And as I was drinking coffee, uh, some of it spilled right here on my shirt, which is great. Speaking to teenagers, right, you look like a dweeb with coffee all on your shirt. That's okay, though. Nothing I can do about it at all. But I'm so glad to be here uh, with you guys. Um, and uh, can we start by praying? Now, this is something I like to do whenever I preach the Bible, read the Bible, really interact with the Bible in any way. I like to pray and ask God to help me understand what it means and how it applies to my life. So would you bow your head and uh, pray with me? Father, thank you so much for uh, the chance to be here tonight, uh, for all of us to gather here at Citizens. Uh, God, we are excited not only to sing praises uh, to you, uh, but to open your word. Uh, God, we believe that this book, the Bible, is your word, that you did not just speak in the past, uh, but you are speaking today through your word, through the Bible. And so, God, uh, these students, uh, these leaders, they do not need to hear uh, my opinions. Uh, they don't need to hear my ideas, God. They need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. So would you speak from your word? Uh, as Courtney said earlier, would we encounter your son Jesus uh, in the scriptures, in the Bible? And would you show us, Father, how we can leave here uh, and apply these truths to our lives? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me ask you, what is the most important part of your day? What is the one thing that you have to do every single day? What is the one thing that you would consider the most necessary? Like, if you don't do this thing, uh, the day is ruined. Let, let me throw some ideas your way. Maybe... Uh, uh, it's this. Maybe you say, I have to eat breakfast. If I don't eat breakfast, I'm going to be a grouch. I'm going to have no energy. I'm going to go to school and just be, you know, snapping at people and rude because I have to eat breakfast. My mom always said it's the most important meal of the day, right? You, you believe that? Can I get some nods? Yeah, 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 yeah. What about this? I have to check social media. If I don't check Facebook, the gram, Twitter, if I'm not on there, what else you guys got? Snapchat, Marco Polo. I don't know. It's hard to keep up. I'm in my 30s now, right? So I'm an old man. But uh, I have to check social media. And some of you would be like, oh, that's silly because social media is, like, kind of dumb. But you know, like, if you left your phone at home one day, like, how much you kind of just feel almost naked, right? Because you're like, I got to check what's going on in the world on Facebook. Maybe that's it for you. Maybe for some of you, uh, you're, you're sports people. Right, and uh, I used to be back in my day. Uh, back in my day, I used to be a basketball player, and I remember if I went a day without playing basketball, I would kind of think like, "Oh, the guys I'm going to play against are practicing right now, and I'm not practicing, which means they're getting better and I'm not. So I have to play basketball. Maybe it's you have to work out. Maybe it's you have to read. Any readers? Show of hands, any readers out there? Yeah, you have to read. That's better than social media. Read books, okay? Read books. Put the phone away. Read books. That is a good thing. Uh, maybe some of you are like, um, if I don't like uh, spend two hours on my hair and makeup, I'm going to look like totally ill. I'm going to be like 
ew. And I cannot get a skill looking ew, okay? Maybe. Maybe you would feel just like something was missing if you didn't do that. I know that's probably Sam's uh, morning, uh, kind of like that. Um, you look good, Sam. Really, look real good. Um, maybe here, this one's actually like, this is hashtag real life for me. Like, I have to have coffee, all right? And you're like, hey, you're, you know, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to be addicted to stuff. Okay, I need coffee, all right? That's the way the Holy Spirit wakes me up in the morning, okay? He uses means, the good gifts of coffee, and it is amazing. But what is it for you? Seriously, what is the thing that you have to do? Do you know that uh, we all have the same amount of hours in a day, right? We all have 24 hours a day to use. I know, mind blown, right? Um, and there's actually been some studies done. Let me show you this. Uh, this is how the average teenage day breaks down on weekdays and weekends. So you have about 8.6 hours of sleep on weekdays, about seven hours or so of school, uh, media and communication, 2.3 hours. It bumps up to 4.3 on the weekends, leisure, um, eating and drinking, only an hour a day. That doesn't seem like enough. I spend at least an hour at Chick-fil-A three times a day, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, playing sports to work off the Chick-fil-A, uh, grooming. Guys, let's get real for a sec. Some of you didn't spend 0.9 hours today grooming yourselves. I walked in here, I saw, I saw it. So like, come on, come on, guys. So let's like, it, maybe tonight doesn't matter, but for snazzy night later, okay, you have to spend at least 0.7 hours, okay, on getting snazzy, please. Religious activities, 0.1 hour. Not when Sam's preaching. Um, let's see. <laughs> Me too. I preach like 50 minutes a week at Camus while she goes. I can't tease him, okay? Um, working. None of you work. You're lazy. Uh, and then other. So, yeah, that's how your day breaks down. Um, but what's the most important thing, guys? What's the most important part of your day? Because we all wake up every morning and we get to choose how we're going to use our day. And we make those choices based on what we think really matters, what we think is significant, what we think is worth our time. And I bring all of this up uh, not to poke jokes at Sam, but to look at a passage of Scripture uh, that I've read and studied and preached many times. It always stands out to me when I'm thinking about what's the most important part of my day. And so open your Bibles, uh, if you would, uh, to Luke chapter 10. Verses 38 through 42 is where we will be this evening, Luke chapter 10. And uh, we're going to try to uh, answer this question, uh, what should be the most important part of our day? Of our day, What is the most necessary thing? Uh, the Gospel of Luke is actually a book uh, of the Bible that we're going through as a church, uh, NGC as a whole, in the main gatherings. Uh, we did a little bit earlier uh, in the fall, and we're going to go back to it, and we're going to do the whole book of Luke eventually. Uh, but Luke is a gospel. It's written by a guy named Luke who was a doctor who did all sorts of research about Jesus. Uh, he asked all the eyewitnesses, people who saw him. He asked as much as he could, learned as much as he could, so he could write down everything uh, that was significant that Jesus did and said and taught uh, so that people like you and I, 2,000 years later, could sit in a gym in uh, Vancouver, Washington, and learn about Jesus. And so we have this section here that's talking to us about what Jesus was doing. And uh, in this story, we're going to meet two sisters. Anybody a sister? Anybody? Sister, sister? Yeah, that's an old show. Sister, sister. You don't remember it. It's like 90s. 
Maybe it's on Netflix now. I don't know. Um, But yeah, sisters, two of them, Mary and Martha, who Jesus meets. And I'm kind of jealous of Mary and Martha. You want to know why? They not only met Jesus, but as we're going to see in our story tonight, um, they actually got to have Jesus in their house. Wouldn't that be cool to have Jesus over for dinner? That'd be pretty awesome. And they actually got to do it. But while they had Jesus over for dinner, uh, they had very different, we're going to see this, very different ideas about what was most important, what was most significant uh, in their interaction with Jesus. And so let's read uh, the first couple verses, Luke 10, starting in verse uh, 38, and we'll read through 40 here. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. So let's pause there. Jesus comes into the house. There's these two sisters. And uh, you caught there, hopefully, that uh, they did different things. It says that Mary, what she decided to do was to sit at Jesus' feet, okay, and, and just to listen to him teach. And that would have been normal uh, in that day if a rabbi, a teacher like Jesus came to your house, You know, you want to sit at his feet and listen to what he has to say because he's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He has important things to say, and that's what she did. But her sister, Martha, rather than sitting and listening to Jesus, the text says that she was distracted with much serving. And before we beat up on Martha too much, like, this is understandable too, right? Jesus is in your house. You want to prepare something nice for him to eat. You want to make sure he's comfortable. But, the, but Mar- Mary and Martha are doing two totally different things. One is sitting and spending time with Jesus. The other person is running around uh, like a chicken with her head cut off, trying, at least that's what I imagined, trying to get things prepared for Jesus. She said she was distracted by much uh, serving. And then look what it says, the second half of verse 40. And she went up to him, this is Jesus she's talking to, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So obviously the sisters understood what was going on. And Martha uh, sees her sister Mary, and the text doesn't tell us if, it was, if she was her younger sister or not. But it doesn't really matter. But she sees her sitting there, and she goes up to Jesus and does something that all of us can totally relate to uh, if we have siblings. Most of us have siblings, and uh, there's something called uh, being a tattletale. Anyone ever been uh, accused of being a tattletale? Anybody? Anybody? Anyone ever been tattled on by a sibling? Yeah, for sure. So annoying, right? But that's what happens. Martha comes up to Jesus, and he says, she says, Lord, look at my... Lazy sister, Mary, just sitting there while I'm working so hard to be a good host. Tell her, Jesus, to help me. This is the first instance uh, in the history of the world of the tattletale. No, it's not, really. But it is a biblical version of a tattletale. She's upset. How come I'm working hard, but my lazy sister, Mary, is just sitting there? Now, if you haven't heard this story and if you haven't, like, skipped ahead and read the next verse, um, how would you expect Jesus to respond? How would you expect Jesus to respond to this complaint from Martha? 
maybe he'd say, yeah, you know what? It's, you know, if you're going to be one of my followers, it's important to work hard. So, yeah, Mary, you know, get, get up and get going. You need to work a little bit. That could maybe uh, be what he said. But let's look at what he says because I don't think it's what was expected in the room that day with Jesus. And I don't think it's what most of us would expect. Let's read the rest of our uh, verses 41 and 42. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. It's not what you'd expect, but Jesus says, Martha, Martha. And and his tone here doesn't seem angry. He's not frustrated with her, but... With, with gentleness and kindness, he simply says to Martha, Martha, you are anxious. You are troubled by so many different things. But guess what? One thing really matters. One thing, the text says, is necessary. It's important. It's required. And it's what Mary is doing. It's what your sister is doing. And what was that thing that Jesus says is the one thing that is necessary, sitting at his feet and listening to him. The thing that Jesus says is the most important thing is to spend time with him. To spend time with him. More important even than her running around to be a good host, to be hospitable. The most important thing, the one thing that is necessary is what Mary was doing. Spending time with Jesus learning from him, listening to him. You see, both of these sisters had encountered Jesus, but they made two radically different choices about how they would respond to him. We know that they both understood to a certain extent who he was, because even Martha, who's doing the the wrong thing in this story, she calls him Lord. She knows that Jesus is the Lord. He's, He's the master. He's the king. But she's anxious and distracted And Mary's sitting and spending time with him. And here's the main idea, guys, that I I think we learn from this passage and that I want you to, to grasp this evening. It's this. People who truly encounter Jesus want to spend time with Jesus. People who truly encounter Jesus want to spend time with Jesus. I'm not saying people who have heard about Jesus or people who have, you know, walked an aisle or raised their hand or prayed a prayer to ask him into their heart. I'm saying people who have truly encountered Jesus, heard the good news of who he is and what he's done and believed in him and committed to following him. Those people want to spend time with him. They want to do what Mary is doing in our passage. couple points, guys, uh, that I want you to uh, see in our passage. First is this. Like Mary, we are invited into a relationship with Jesus. Like Mary, we're invited into a relationship, uh, relationship with Jesus. You see, guys, Jesus calls us into a relationship with him. You understand that? Uh, I love what Courtney was saying earlier, that Jesus is here tonight, uh, that he wants to encounter us. And that is so 100% true because Jesus is not calling us just to convert to a religion Uh, He's not calling us to just obey a set of rules. No, Jesus is calling us into a relationship with himself. And he's done something that is absolutely incredible uh, to make that uh, possible. 
Because here's the thing, guys, and, and you have to hear this. And some of you, well, probably all of you have heard this before, but you can't hear it too many times. Uh, you don't deserve to be in a relationship with Jesus. I don't deserve to be in a relationship with Jesus. Because we have sinned. We've rejected Jesus, our creator. We've rebelled against him. We've decided not to declare him as Lord, but that we want to be the Lord of our own lives. And the only thing that that kind of rebellion and rejection deserves is separation from Jesus. We don't deserve to be in a relationship with Jesus, but Jesus loves us so much that he came to this earth 2,000 years ago, and he did what was necessary uh, to make that relationship possible again. He died on a cross. And he died on the cross not for his own sin, he didn't have any sin, but for our sin so that we could be forgiven and reconciled, brought back together into a relationship with him and with his father, God the Father. Jesus makes this relationship possible. And guys, he's calling you, he's inviting you into that relationship. I hope you understand that. A lot of people have weird and wonky ideas out there about what it means to be a Christian. But at its very core, it means to be in a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we see Mary in our passage understanding that, that uh, she wants to be close to Jesus. She wants to know him and and sit close to him and listen uh, to him. And guys, that's what we're invited to as well to be close to Jesus. See, so many people think that being a Christian means, uh, as I said earlier, you know, you pray a prayer, you ask Jesus into your heart, and then you kind of have your ticket to heaven, and you're good to go, right? Like, yeah, that one time, uh, you know, a VBS or camp or with my mom or dad, I prayed the prayer, and now I know I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven, so everything is uh, good to go, right? And, and then you kind of just go about your life. It's kind of like this. Have you ever bought tickets for something in advance? Like I was talking to Sam a couple months ago, and he actually bought his Avengers Endgame tickets in 2002. 2002, he was that excited. Just kidding. That's not even, that's like six years before the franchise even started, okay? But he was excited. He got them in advance. But have you ever done that for a movie, for a concert, for a sporting event where you get the tickets months, maybe even years in advance? Yeah? Can I get some nods? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've done that? Okay, cool. Well, here's the thing. When you do that, that ticket that you either have the piece of paper, which is kind of old school, or you have it in your phone, you don't really view it as necessary or something you need until when? Until the day of the event, right? It doesn't really do much for you, right? You store it in your email or you, you print off the ticket and you put it in a drawer, but it's just a ticket that's good for that one day in the future when you actually need it, but you don't really need it right now, and so you don't really think about it that much. And guys, that's how a lot of people view their Christian faith. That I prayed a prayer, I have my ticket to heaven, and so that's kind of stored away, and I know that one day when I die, I'm going to go to heaven to be with Jesus, but I, you know, the ticket doesn't really do much for me right now. I just kind of stored away, and I'll need it at some point, but it doesn't really affect right now. But guys, that's not Christianity. That's not what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus that he made possible by dying on the cross for our sins is something that we can enjoy and should enjoy right now. Right now. It's not something that we just have to wait for. 
It's something we're called into right now. Jesus said this himself in uh, John 17. He was praying to the Father for his followers. And look what it says. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. What is eternal life? Is it just heaven? Is it just when we die, we go to heaven? No, look what he says, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Guys, eternal life is not just something that we get when we die. The moment you hear the good news of Jesus and put your trust in him, you have eternal life. Because at that moment, you are adopted as a son or a daughter of God the Father. You are brought into a relationship with Jesus And that's something we experience right now. Now, guys, pause here for a second and think about this. Think about the significance of this. Let this sink in for a moment. The God of the universe, the God of the universe wants to know you. Is that wild? The God who created everything, the entire cosmos wants to be in a relationship with you. So much so that God the Son, Jesus Christ, was willing to die for you to make that possible. Do you realize that? That God wants to know you? See, a lot of times we kind of say yes and amen. Yeah, God loves the world. Jesus died for the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, guys, uh, we need to personalize it. God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. Jesus came and died so you could be in a relationship with him. This is what Mary and Martha were invited into, and this is what you have been invited into, a real relationship. Now, here's one reason why this is so so significant. Do you ever feel as if you don't matter? You ever feel like you don't have any value? You ever feel like uh, if people knew the real you, like not the you that you kind of, you know, portray to other people, but like the real you, what you think when you're by yourself, what you do when no one's around. You ever think if someone knew all that, that there's no way they could ever love you? That there's no way they'd ever want you to be their friend. That there's no way that they'd ever want to be a part of your family. I think a lot of teenagers struggle with that, but here's the reality. A lot of adults struggle with that. I struggle with that. Aren't we all looking for significance? Don't we want to know that we matter? Don't we want to experience a love that is unconditional? Well, guys, here's the reality. Jesus knows everything about you. He knows everything you thought today. He knows everything you've done. And he still wants a relationship with you. In fact, he laid down his life so he could be in a relationship with you. If that's true, you think you don't matter? If that's true, you couldn't matter more that the God of the universe wants you. Incredible. Incredible. 
There's an author, Pastor Tim Keller, he says this, what greater value could you possibly have than to be delighted in and sacrificed for by the maker of the universe? Guys, it doesn't matter what people at school think about you. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks about you because at the end of the day, this is what God thinks about you. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He wants a relationship with you. So never believe the lie that you don't matter, that you don't have significance, because Jesus dying for you and calling you into relationship with himself proves that you do matter, that you are significant. Jesus has saved us to bring us back to himself, to be his disciples to follow him. The word disciple, guys, literally means learner. And so we are called to be in this relationship with Jesus where we are disciples. We follow him. We spend time with him. We listen to him. We are taught by him. And it's this, guys. It's this life of pursuing Jesus, following Jesus, spending time with Jesus that Jesus tells Mary and Martha is the most important, necessary thing. So let me ask you again, what is the most important part of your day? What's the thing you have to do each day? What is the one thing that is necessary or it is a bad day? Is it spending time with Jesus? Living out your relationship with Jesus? Or is it something else? Because it's not just Mary in this story, as we already know. There's Martha And like Martha, guys, we can be distracted and miss what really matters. Like Martha, we can be distracted and miss what really matters. Have you ever been to the fair, state fair, county fair? Anybody? Yeah? Give me some nods. Yeah, you've been to the fair? Yeah, what a total, like, uh, black hole for your money, right? It's just like, man, $20 to go on the Ferris wheel. Crazy, right? You guys are like, I don't care. Mom and dad pay for it. Um, but when you're an adult, you're like, man, this is really expensive. Anyway, that's not the point. So the fair, if you're like me, you go to the fair and you have a plan, right? Like, okay, as soon as I walk through the gate, I know that I'm going on that weird, crazy, big spaceship thing that spins you around until you throw up. Okay, I'm going on that. I don't care if it's $30. I'm going on it. And so you go, and if you're like me, you have this plan, and and you're going to make a beeline right when you get in the gate to go to your favorite ride. But what happens at the fair? You have to walk by everything else. And you know what happens, right? $5, get you 10 throws. Everybody wins a prize. Step right up. Who doesn't want a uh, 30-pound teddy bear? Right? That's a great thing to have. Or you're walking to your favorite ride, and then you go, elephant ears. <laughs> I smell them. I mean, I'm, I'm pro-animal, so I don't like that they did that to the elephant. But, man, is it tasty. <laughs> and you get distracted, right? You have a mission. You have something you're focused on. But there's so many distractions, things vying for your attention, And guys, our walk with Jesus, I think, can be like that. We know as Christians that we're supposed to spend time with him and our relationship with him. But there's things that distract us. Things that pull at our attention that, yeah, you know, I 
I've been going to Citizens, and I, and I love it. I'm learning from Sam and Courtney and everyone, and, like, I, I love Jesus, and, like, I want to read my Bible and spend time with him, but there's just these other things pulling at me. This sport that I'm really into or these friendships that are really important to me or uh, these tough things that I'm going through in my family life, they, they distract me, they deter me, and I don't end up pursuing Jesus. What's distracting you? Because if you follow Jesus for any amount of time, these seasons of distraction uh, have happened to you. They happen. So what is it? Let me ask you that. What, what is distracting you? What is consuming your attention and pulling you away from your time with Jesus? And here's where it can get really tricky. <coughs> it can get really tricky uh, because even good things can pull us away from Jesus. School's a good thing. Friends is a good thing. Sports is a good thing. But those things that are good, we can turn them into ultimate things, and then they consume our lives, and Jesus kind of gets nudged to the side. What's distracting you? Martha was distracted. Jesus tells her, Martha, you are anxious and troubled by so many different things. What are you anxious about? What are you going to, as you lay your head on the pillow tonight, what's going to be running through your mind? What stresses you out? What are you worried about? Can you relate to Martha? Anxious and troubled about many things? Well, if you can, what Jesus said to Martha, he says to you through his word tonight. You're so anxious, but there's one thing that really matters. One thing is necessary, and it's what Mary was doing. Spend time with me. Pursue me. Follow me. What are you distracted by? What are you distracted by? There's one thing, guys, that is necessary, and it's pursuing Jesus, working uh, on our relationship with him. Now, uh, why is this the most important thing? Why would Jesus say that one thing is necessary? Because you're thinking, I get up in the day and I have like 100 things that are necessary. This is the, really the most important thing? How can that be? Well, there's a couple reasons why. For one, uh, this is what you were created for. Do you know that? You were created to be in a relationship with God. You know how I know that? Because the Bible says so. It's a good reason, Right? Go back to Genesis 1 and 2. What's going on in Genesis at the very beginning? Human beings, Adam and Eve, in relationship with God. Perfect fellowship, perfect friendship, enjoying God, worshiping God, uh, taking care of the world for God. That's our purpose. And then what happens in Genesis 3? Sin. And our purpose, what we're designed to experience, gets all messed up. But guys, because of what Jesus did by coming and dying for us, our purpose can be rediscovered. We can be in a relationship with God. This is what you are created for. This is eternal life. This is what Jesus says is life and life to the full. Let me ask you a question. Give me your eyes real quick. Do you want a life that is full, that is exciting? Do you want that? I do. And Jesus says, I came to give it to you. It's in a relationship with, with the one true God and with me, the one and only son. That's life. 
That's why Jesus can tell Martha, this is the most important thing. This is what you were created for. But there's another reason why it's the most important thing. It's the most important thing because uh, it's eternal. It's eternal. If you have a relationship with Jesus, it will last forever. Do you realize that? If you're a Christian, you get to be friends with Jesus forever. Like Sandlot, forever. Let me ask you something. Those things that you're anxious and troubled about in your life that are distracting you from Jesus, any of those things going to last forever? I don't think so. Mike McKinley, who's a pastor author, he says this, clean houses and full bank accounts will not endure past the grave, but our relationship with Jesus through his words now and face-to-face one day can never be taken from us. Now, you guys are high school and middle schoolers. You don't care about clean houses and full bank accounts, but insert there whatever is distracting you, whatever fills up your life, sports, friendships, that boyfriend, that girlfriend, popularity, whatever it is. Guys, those things won't endure past the grave. But think about this. This blows my mind and uh, is incredible. The time I spend with Jesus now will impact what happens after death. Like, I'll just continue that relationship. It doesn't end like everything else in life when I die. It goes on forever. And so the investment now is worth it because I'm not investing in something that's temporary. I'm investing in something that will last forever. What could matter more than that? That's why Jesus says this is the most necessary thing. People who truly encounter Jesus want to spend time with Jesus. Now, I want to close uh, by answering this question. How? How? Because I know some of you are kind of uh, analytical and you're thinking this whole time. Now, hold up. You're saying we should do what Mary did. But newsflash, Ben, Mary was with Jesus in the flesh. If Jesus was in my living room every day, it would probably be easier for me to spend time with him. But he's not here. So how do we even do what Mary did? Well, first off, you're right. Jesus isn't here physically right now. But... There is a way that we can spend time with him. And the way we spend time with him is through his word, through the Bible. Guys, do you understand? Give me your eyes because this is, this is super important. This is like the take-home application for you. Do you understand why we have the Bible? We have the Bible, specifically the New Testament, because Jesus knew that he wasn't going to always be here physically, but he told his followers, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you after I leave, and he's going to empower you to write down everything I did so that people who come after you can learn about me and know me and follow me. Guys, the reason God has given us the Bible is that even, so that even though Jesus isn't here right now, we can spend time with him because his word is here right now. In the Bible, we learn about who Jesus is, what he did, what he's going to do, what he does do for us right in the here and now. The, the authors of the New Testament tell us this, guys. Uh, in 1 John, John, who wrote this, was the one who Jesus loved, it says. He, uh, he was so close to Jesus, like at the Last Supper, he reclined with Jesus. He was, uh, it's kind of weird in our culture, but kind of like man snuggles maybe a little bit with Jesus. Like he was close. They were buds. 
arms around each other. This is my guy. And look what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. So he's saying, hey, we saw the word of life. We saw Jesus with our eyes. We touched him with our hands. And then look what he says. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you that so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Guys, Jesus' first followers wrote down everything they experienced with Jesus so that we could read it today, 2,000 years later, and experience a relationship with Jesus as well. And so how do we do this one necessary, important thing? We do it by letting Jesus speak to us through his word, and then we speak back to him in prayer. It's a real relationship. I do it every day. Spend time with Jesus. I let him speak to me through the word, and then I speak back to him in prayer. And I get to know him more through the word. And he teaches me what it means to be loved by him and to follow him. And he promises me that although I can't see him with my eyes right now, one day he will return, and I'll see him with my eyes, and I'll get to be with him forever. That's how we do what Mary did today. We read the word. We pray. People who truly encounter Jesus want to spend time with Jesus. And so here's my question for you. Are you going to pursue Jesus? Have you ever been uh, left on red? Oh, yeah. It's like, why even have that feature turned on if you're not going to respond to my text? It's like, I know you saw it. Well, let me give you a little example. So Jesus, uh, this is Jesus speaking in Revelation. A lot of people use this verse to talk about, like, evangelism, like, like to non-believers. This is actually, he's talking to Christians, okay? In, in Revelation 3, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus says to us who are Christians, Hey, I'm knocking on the door. I want to spend time with you. I want to be in a relationship with, uh, with you. Will you open the door? That means this whole growing in relationship with Jesus thing, we have a part to play. We have to open the door. We have to read the word. We have to pursue him. And so to put it in a modern vernacular, are we going to leave Jesus on red? We see this invitation. We see it. I love you. I died for you. I'm coming back for you. I gave you a book so you could know who I am. Are you going to respond? Are you going to spend time with me? Because, guys, it's the one thing that is necessary. As Christians, if the only thing that we got done in a day was we got to spend time with our Lord through reading his word and prayer, that's a good day. It's a good day because he's the God of the universe and he wants to know us. And he wants us to know him. Incredible. Incredible. So, will you let him in? Will you let him in?
He's knocking on the door. Because people who truly encounter Jesus want to spend time with Jesus. I want to invite uh, the band back up. And while they're coming up, um, I want you guys to think as we're singing the song, what would this look like for you to respond in this way? And I actually brought something with me. I have some of these, uh, these reading plans up here. Um, so uh, summer is about three months, right? It's coming up, summer vacation, about 90 days. This Bible reading plan is 50 days. And if you read your Bible for 15 minutes a day for 50 days, you'd read the whole Gospel of Luke, which is the, the book we were in tonight. So 50 out of 90 days of summer, uh, that's, that's pretty good. I think, I think that's doable. And so these are going to be up here, guys. Um, and this is not so, hey, oh, yeah, I could do that, and, like, I could mark off the box, like, super Christian. I read my Bible all the time. No, uh, this is so that you could spend time with Jesus this summer. And so these are going to be up here. I'm going to kind of just uh, spread them out and stuff. You can come grab one during worship. But here's the thing. Don't come grab one unless you're actually going to do it. Because here's the thing, I know, I know how this works. Once one or two people come up, like everyone's going to come at once, and it's going to be a glob of people. It's like, I don't want to be the one person who's not doing it. But hey, don't, don't come up and get it until you spend some time maybe singing, praying, saying, God, I, I, I want to spend time with you. But is, I, I need your help to be able to commit to something like this. And so if you don't want to grab one tonight, if you're not ready for that, that's totally okay. And no one here will think differently of you because I respect that. If you're like, no, I, I'm not going to commit to that yet. But if you want to do it, come up and get one. And then maybe after that, find a friend, find a leader. Like, hey, will you do this with me? Will you hold me accountable in this? Because, guys, we pursue Jesus not in isolation but in community with each other. And so you don't have to do this alone, okay? But, again, don't grab one unless you're really into it, unless you really want to do it. Um, and, and if not, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll spend time worshiping Jesus, singing songs, and, uh, and then we'll be done. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the incredible, incredible truth that you sent your son Jesus to die in our place on the cross for our sin so that we could be in a relationship with you as father so that we could be in a relationship with him, with Jesus as our brother, as our Lord, as our Savior. God, it's incredible that you created everything, yet you want to know us individually. You don't need us, God, but you want us. You want to be in a relationship with us. You created us for that purpose. And even though we've rebelled against you and rejected you with our sin, you made a way to bring us back, God. And that is the most incredible grace, uh, love, and mercy uh, this world has ever known. Thank you, God. And God, now you're calling us to pursue you. Lord Jesus, you're calling us to spend time with you, that this is the most necessary, most important thing. But God, we admit that it is hard, that it is difficult, that we get distracted, that we get bored. So God, would you help us? Lord Jesus, would you draw us to yourself? Would you give us the discipline we need to spend time with you so that we can grow close to you and follow you and honor you with our lives? Would you help us? Would you help us to uh, find the community that we need with friends or leaders or uh, other Christians in this church to, to do this together, to pursue you together? 
And Jesus, as we do this, would you make us slowly but surely a little bit more like yourself each day? We love you. Thank you that we get to uh, learn about you tonight and sing praises to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.